Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again, and thank you for joining us again this week on the program. We have been talking a great deal about this uh, season that we're in, and it's following the Christmas season, and uh, I didn't do a lot of stuff uh, in a prelude to it, but I am uh, kind of talking about some stuff from the Christmas story that was so inspiring for me, especially from uh, the last couple of times I was in service before uh, the first of the year. And I, I wanted to film some things because I felt like there was such a relevance to the story of the birth of Christ to where we're at personally. And uh, if you've missed any of those, I really encourage you to go back and, and uh, watch them on my YouTube channel. Or if you would like the audio portions of it, you can listen to the podcast or the RSS feed for your Android device because everything we air we upload to those uh, outlets. And it's very simple to go to find that. All you have to do is go to my website, and that link is on your TV screen. If you go to the website, what you will find is in the upper right-hand corner, there are icons of the YouTube channel, the podcast, and the RSS feed, and they will take you directly to that. I would encourage you to subscribe to those channels. They are free of charge. And every time we upload a new one, you will get a notification so that if you cannot, uh, you know, set, if you can't set in the day we air this live, that you uh, can go back and watch it again at your leisure. While you're there, if you'd like, you can become a partner with us. If you'd like to, all of our products, all of our uh, CDs, books, all that are there on our website. But there's also a very easy way to give to our ministry there if you'd like to give and even become a partner. There's a link where you can. Uh, you can do a debit card or a credit card or set up a monthly debit or a one-time gift, whatever you'd like. Uh, I'm not going to talk about a lot that a lot right now because I want to get into the Word this morning. We've been talking uh, for the last several weeks about Mary and Elizabeth, and then last week I started talking about uh, Luke chapter 2, where it, the, the decree went forth from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Let me read that again. And it came to pass in those days, this is Luke the second chapter, that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this census first took place when Irenaeus was governor of Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee into the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, watching over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. 
So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those that heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in their heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they'd heard and seen as it was told them. Now let me just uh, stop for a moment and and, uh, unpack a few things. First of all, what I shared with you in the last segment was the parallel to me is that, first of all, it was all the world was being taxed. If that really does not speak to the situation of where we're at today in human history, I don't know of another time that this could apply, you know, other than, I guess, many times. But what I want you to see is this can so apply to where we're at right now because it is taxing time. And when I say taxing time, I'm not simply just talking about financial taxing. I'm talking about all the world is being taxed. As you walk around in the stores, in church, on the job place, at the water cooler, at your job, it is a time of great stress and taxing time. People are being taxed to the max. There are opinions everywhere about everything to the point where people are on edge. And uh, it is a time of great taxing. But the thing that I wanted you to see was that during the time of taxing, what happened was Joseph and Mary began to leave where they were at and go to Bethlehem. And you say, well, what is so significant about that? Because sometimes you got to get up from where you're at and go to Bethlehem. And I don't mean physically jump on a plane and go to the Middle East. Bethlehem means the house of bread. And when you go to the house of bread, what you find out is there's something in the Word of God that you can feed on during the time of great taxing that can begin to satisfy the, the, the stress and the anguish. And I said this earlier in some of the programs that we've done about this, that the angel of the Lord appears to Mary and says, Thou art highly favored. But if you followed the story, now we know the end of it, but they are in the throes of this thing unfolding. And when he first declares favor to them, favor does not look like favor. As a matter of fact, her fiancé is about to put her away privately. She's about to be the center of scandal, and people think she's a a, a young girl giving birth out of wedlock, and scandal seems to be there. And even the ability to produce this baby, Mary says something that really strikes a chord with me. Because there are times when you're going through stuff that seems to be impossible. Because Mary knew that, you know, she said, how can this thing be? seeing I do not know a man. In other words, the impossibility of having a child outside of receiving seed from a man is impossible. 
How can this thing be? Now, you can apply that to many, many things that you're going through right now. We could say even concerning this virus, if God, you know, how, how, can, how can we come through this? How can we walk through this season we're in? How can I deal with the financial pressures that I'm on? How can I deal with relational pressures that I'm on? How can I deal with the physical things I'm fighting with? How can I deal with the struggles in my life of areas of sin that I'm dealing with? How can this thing be? But here's the powerful, powerful answer. The angel of the Lord says, Mary, the Holy Ghost. Now, I know that might seem like a very simple answer this morning, but I want to emphasize that in this program. The Holy Ghost, Mary. I'm telling you, I think sometimes we have forgotten, especially in the church world, the power of the Holy Ghost because we have substituted anointing for talent. We've substituted presence for, for, for uh, light shows. And I'm, I'm not against any of those props, but I'm saying what we need is a move of the Holy Ghost. And I have found even in this season for me particularly, as I have walked with people through crises of losing loved ones to this virus and other issues of things that they're walking through is praying in the Holy Ghost is one of the most powerful tools that God has given His people. That you can pray in the Holy Ghost when you don't know how to pray, that the Holy Ghost can pray through you and with utterances uh, that only He understands. And when you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, how can this thing be? I'm going to tell you, I believe that we need a move of the Holy Ghost. If you remember back months, several months ago, we were doing a series that we titled out of Ezra and Nehemiah, because Ezra's name means my helper, and Nehemiah's name means the comforter. The helper and the comforter are the Holy Spirit. And what we saw in that series was in the midst of Babylonian captivity and chaos again, the Holy Ghost arises and says, let us arise and build. And I believe we are seeing, I cannot get away from what I believe God is saying in the midst of this, is that the Holy Ghost comes to build us up on our most holy faith when we pray in the Holy Ghost. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, I don't know why anybody would refuse such an incredible gift that we could have even to be able to pray in the Holy Ghost. But when Mary said, how can this thing be? These, there are some stuff that is impossible with men, but that it is possible with God. The Holy Ghost, Mary, that's the answer. And somehow in the midst of it, it's not just the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost, but there has to be a response from us just like there was Mary, because Mary said, all right, be it unto me according to your word. God, I'm going to yield myself to your purpose. God, I'm going to yield myself to giving birth to what you're calling for in the earth in this hour and in this season. So be it unto me according to your word. And in this great time of taxing as it comes, you find them leaving where they're at, going to the house of bread, and now they're in the city of David because they're the house and lineage of David, and they are starting to function out of their royal identity. I believe is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in this new covenant that we're a chosen generation, we're part of a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And because King Jesus is our King, we are of the house and lineage of David. And instead of putting ourselves in the house of weeping and mourning, 
we need to find ourselves in the house of David and in the house of Bethlehem and find that we're there for a purpose. Now, let me tell you that there was at that time shepherds who are watching their flocks by night. Now, I, I, I addressed this a little bit in a, a prior segment, but what I sh- showed you was that, you know, we might seem like we're in a night season. And it is a very, very difficult. I, I, there's probably not a pastor listening to me right now that can't identify with what I'm saying about it being taxing time and one of the most difficult times and seasons to pastor ever. There are pastors leaving the ministry by the droves right now. People leaving the ministry because it's just uh, just such chaos everywhere, just conflict everywhere over everything you can imagine. And it seems to be a night season and they're watching their flocks by night. But suddenly, but suddenly, There's some suddenlies that are about to take place, but suddenly the angel of the Lord appears and says, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Once again, as I shared in prior segments, Mary starts out with the angel of the Lord saying, You are highly favored. But favor didn't look like favor. Elizabeth and and John were favored, but it didn't look like favor. It wasn't a good season. It was Roman occupation. Uh, Mary was uh, the center of scandal. Joseph was thinking about putting her away privately. I mean, their lives were seemingly in upheaval, but yet the angel of the Lord is declaring favor. And here he is again in the midst of it saying, there's a season where you're standing here and it's great good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people because God wants to release a word to shepherds that the message is not doom and despair. The message is peace on earth and goodwill towards men. That God's intention is to bring peace, goodwill on earth. On men. See, I'm going to tell you, a lot of people talking about God going to do this, God going to bring this, God going to bring... Let me tell you something. God is not bringing judgment on America. The reality of it is, is that what's happening in America is not because God's judging it. It's because Americans... And God's not destroying America. Americans are destroying America. But as we return... He's standing there with his arms out saying, I want to be your Savior. But you have to turn to me and, and receive and say to me, be it unto me according to your word, because... He's there to save us while we're in while we are absolutely seemingly determined to self-destruct and destroy ourselves. He's standing there saying, in the midst of your taxing time, in the midst of a night season, shepherds, please hear this word from God. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall all be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And so the shepherds got up. And they went and uh, they saw the place that was in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about, and they were greatly afraid. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you great tid- good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Can you just even hear that word? Don't be afraid. Don't let fear dominate your life right now. I think, you know, sometimes what I've had to do for me, you can do whatever you feel like you need to do. I, I, I literally had to literally turn the news off. 
because it just is constantly a barrage that will kill your faith. It is a faith killer. And I'm not saying hide your head in the sand where you don't know what's going on. But if you feed on that day and night, you are going to be discouraged. And I can tell you because I um, I, I, I have a friend who was a, uh, a, news, uh, a news person, and he said, here was our premise. If it bleeds, it leads. In other words, the better the news, the more you get people glued to it, and the more your ratings go up, and the more clicks and the more likes you got, the more stuff gets passed around. And what happens is the news has moved beyond being news to being entertainment. And the reality of it is it's bad entertainment because it produces fear. And the angel of the Lord appears to shepherds and he says to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those that heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now let me come back here because I had, I had started to read this in my last segment and uh, we ran out of time. But I want to come back. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing again because it's some research that I did uh, during uh, uh, you know, this season concerning the prophecy of Jesus and concerning... I, I just saw some powerful things concerning the fact that He was born in a manger. Let me just let me just get uh, uh, read this to you. This is this is Micah chapter four, verse number eight. It says, "And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion, the kingdom or the kingship, in some translations, shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem." Now, why dost thou cry out aloud? Is there no king in thee? Is thy counselor perished? For pains have taken thee as a woman in travail. Be in pain and labor and bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail. For now shalt thou go forth out of the city, and thou shalt dwell in the field, and thou shalt go even to Babylon. There shalt thou be delivered. A first dominion, a king and a kingdom coming to the tower of the flock in Bethlehem in conjunction with a woman giving birth accompanied by a second deliverance by flight to Babylon. Egypt slash Babylon is where the family fled shortly after Christ's birth to escape Herod. To me, this prophecy could not be more clear. It is my witness that Christ was indeed a worthy sacrifice, perfect and without blemish. From the day of His birth, He fulfilled the law. Although thousands of lambs came before Him, Christ was the great and last sacrifice to be made for all of Israel. One of the signs the angel told the shepherds as they could use to recognize him was that he would be laid in a manger. Today that word would be more commonly translated as a feed trough. Born in the house of bread, Jesus is indeed the bread of life. May you partake deeply of him in this Christmas season. Now let me just tell you that he was laid in a feed trough because that's what we need to be feeding on in this season. But here's what I want you to see is that that scripture that's talking prophesied in Micah chapter 4, 
was being fulfilled in Bethlehem as the king was about to be laid in a manger. But here's here. this was from an author who had gone to uh, a field outside of Bethlehem and visited Israel and, uh, and came to the place that was called Migdal Eder, uh, where, which is known as the Tower of the Flock. Migdal Eder was the Hebrew name, better known as the Tower of the Flock or the Shepherd's Field in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the royal seat of David, so named because David took the fort and the watchtower of the Jebusites on what was known as Mount Zion in Bethlehem and dwelt in it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7. Migdal Eder, or the shepherd's field, or the tower of the flock, is the traditional place where the royal flocks were therefore raised and cared for in ancient times. The watchtower was used by the shepherds for protection from their enemies and wild beasts in this sheltered building, which was once the royal compound of David, shepherd priests would bring the ewe lambs, which were about to bring forth their lambs. They would special they, these special lambs became part of the unique temple flock used for the continual burnt offerings that were made at the temple, and represented the price paid for Israel's redemption from sin. The Jewish Mishnah confirms that the animals raised near the tower were indeed used for temple sacrifices. Migdal Eder lay close to the temple in the land of Jerusalem in the hamlet of Bethlehem, which was translated the house of bread. Depending on which one of these three possible areas today you think was the original Migdal Eder, it was no more than one to two miles from Jerusalem. And one of the priest's duties was to verify that these lambs that were born there were in conformity with the law and worthy to be used in such a setting. They had to be lambs without blemish and without spot, no bones having been broken during birth thereafter and without any defect. It was also their job to wrap them in swaddle uh, and swallow the newborn lambs in linen when they came forth to clothe them in white. The shepherds who kept them were then there specifically trained for the royal priest's task. In other words, they wrapped these lambs in swaddling clothes to keep them from breaking their legs or becoming blemish so they wouldn't be fit for sacrifice. That's why Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in one of these birthing troughs mangers in this field of the shepherds where they were literally raising the royal flock for sacrifice. And so it would say, uh, uh, being themselves under special rabbinical rules of cleanliness and holiness, they would strictly maintain a ceremonially clean stable for a birthing place. This conflicts with many of our modern hymns and other traditions regarding the manger scene, filled with chickens, cows, goats, etc. And reality is very unlikely that any other animals would have been found there. The tower of the flock was used for birthing ewes, and the surrounding fields were where the shepherds grazed their flocks. That's why they were watching their flocks by night. These shepherds customarily kept their flocks outdoors 24 hours a day, every day of the year, and only brought the ewes in to deliver their lambs where their worthiness of sacrifices of Israel could be verified according to the law. I believe it was to this place that Joseph took Mary when they discovered the inn was full. It was the special stable at Migdal Eder of Bethlehem, the tower of the flock that Christ was born. Why would they have gone there? Could any Israelite simply seek shelter at a royal or traditional sacred campground? Joseph's ancestral lineage is found in Matthew 1, 6-16, and Mary is normally understood to be represented in the last half of Luke chapter 3. Where, what do their gene genealogies indicate? That both were descendants of King David. Staying at the royal compound of Migdal Eder, was probably not a hospitality offered to everyone in Israel, but for Mary and Joseph, it was their right. That's why they went there. Many have 
uh, dramatized the nativity scene to show them going from door to door and finally encountering somebody who didn't think that, you know, he could barely let them go out and stand in his barn. But it was probably not that. It was probably the right of royal seed to stay in this place called the Tower of the Flock or Migdal Eater. Even more uh, evidence to support this theory comes from the annunciation made by the angel who shortly thereafter announced the birth to the shepherds nearby. The angel only told the shepherds that they would find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I find it interesting that there was no need for the angel to give the shepherds further directions to the birthplace, especially when there could have been dozens of mangers within a mile of wherever they were tending sheep. Why was that simple description enough? Because these men were the shepherd priests who raised sacrificial lambs for the temple. And when the angelic announcement came, they knew exactly which manger, for it could only mean their manger at the tower of the flock. They immediately said, let us go now even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. How did they know it was near Bethlehem? Why not a manger in Jerusalem? or one possibly dozens even closer along their way. How did they find him with such haste? You cannot explain the meaning or direction of the sign they were given or their response unless you have the right manger and the right shepherds. Migdal Eder, the Tower of the Flock at Bethlehem, is the perfect place for Christ to have been born. More than likely, he was born in the very birthplace where tens of thousands of lambs, which had been sacrificed on the temple altar to prefigure him, were also born. Those shepherds who witnessed of his birth were performing a priesthood duty, adding to their priestly witness that he was indeed worthy of becoming the great and last sacrifice, a spotless and perfect lamb. Finally, if you're still looking for further scriptural evidence, consider these seldom read verses from the fourth chapter of Micah, uh, from the Old Testament, Micah 4 and 8 through about verse number, I think, 10, where it says you were born. I read that at the very beginning of this segment where they were talking about him being born in the tower of the flock. So the fact that they wrapped him in swaddling clothes, put him in a feed trough, was significant that they were literally, uh, had brought forth this incredible sacrificial lamb who was now to become the ultimate sacrifice for the sin of the world. I'm telling you, we can come back to this feed trough and feed on His death, burial, and His resurrection. It ought to ignite great hope in shepherds who are watching their flocks by night to look back and say something happened 2,000 years ago that still has relevance to us today. Jesus is still the answer. He is still the one who is declaring favor to us. And I believe that just like you saw in the Scriptures in Luke chapter 2, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. It starts out with one single angel messenger declaring favor. And then some shepherds, some pastors, who are watching their flocks by night, declaring favor, and then finally an entire host, a multitude, begin to declare 
the same thing. I believe it's time to praise our way out of this problem. It's time to leave taxing time and go to the house of bread. We're out of time again in this segment, but I'd like for you to take a moment, if you would, to sow into the ministry to help us to be able to do this, take the gospel around the world. The easiest way to do it is to go to our website. It's right there on the screen, or you can scan that barcode and it'll take you directly to a place where you can give via credit card or PayPal. You can become a monthly partner or you can give a one-time gift if you'd like that way. You could also write to the address that will come on the screen and send your check or money order to Linhouse Ministries and we will greatly appreciate it. Or you can call the number that will come up on the screen and someone will take your call. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.